Morning, everybody. Thank you for singing a hymn for me this morning. Or not for me, but you know, because it's um, got Almighty in it. So uh, that's why we sang it. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation, is a German song published in 1680. The text paraphrases Psalms 103 and 150, and the English translation was published in 1863, hence the very flowery words. What do you think of when you hear the word almighty? It makes me think of words like powerful, strong, sovereign, unlimited, and that can make me feel very small, distant, and unworthy. Is God aware that I exist? But as the hymn states, he is aware of us as he shelters us under his wings and gently sustains us. The hymn also has the line, ponder anew what the Almighty can do, who with his love doth befriend us. This is a really powerful line. Stop and think what God, the all-powerful, can do, and that with his love, he befriends us. Last week, you discussed El Roy, God who sees and who sees you. And this week, we're looking at El Shaddai, God Almighty. So let's pray and ask Almighty God to speak to us this morning and to help me as I convey a tiny amount of a huge subject. Father God, I ask that you be with us today. Pray that you would fill this building with your presence and that you would inspire us, touch our hearts, help us to understand more about you and stop my legs shaking. In your, your name, Lord. Amen. So, God Almighty, El Shaddai, is amazing. And it says in Ephesians 3, verse 20, he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Have you ever thought about the fact that humans have designed many things using the Earth's resources, and yet there is, I'm sure, so much more than that we could develop or design? Does God sit and chuckle that we've worked out gravity, how to fly, We've developed medicines like penicillin, but he knows there's many more revolutionary discoveries we just haven't thought of or we just can't imagine. Oh. I can't even separate my pages today. Oh, it's, it's double-sided it for me without me realizing. Okay. God Almighty, how can I put what he is in in an all-encompassing list of points? I can't really. I'll just list a few things. After all, he is in charge of everything. So he has ultimate power over all his creation. He performs miracles and wonders. He is awesome and great. He righteously judges. He draws us into a personal relationship and his power works in us and through us. So God the Almighty has the ultimate power over all his creation. He created all things. 
It says in Genesis 1-3, everything from the tiniest organism to the largest whales, from a grain of sand to the expansive universe, he made and sustains everything through his power and might. God first introduced himself as El Shaddai to Abraham in Genesis. Although the surrounding nations had many gods, the Hebrews had one, the Almighty. We see this name for God in Genesis chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, or in Hebrew, El Shaddai. Walk before me faithfully and blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. God wanted Abraham and his descendants to know he is not at all like the gods of the nations surrounding Israel. His power is beyond all other powers in the great universe he created. His power is unlimited. He explains that if you read Job chapter 38 and 39, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. The Lord speaks to Job in chapter 38, verse 4, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? And in verse 12, have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? He is awesome. So God, the Almighty, performs wonders and miracles. In Job chapter 9, verse 10, he performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. He encourages Moses to demonstrate miracles and wonders when speaking to Pharaoh in Egypt. God Almighty parts the Red Sea for the Israelites to escape the Egyptians. He provides them with food and drink in the desert. We know that God performs wonders and miracles today, as he did through Jesus in New Testament times. He saves people from situations, and he heals people in many ways. Last week, I noticed J. John's Facebook post announcing the death of Jennifer Rees Larkham at the grand age of 80. She has spoken a couple of times at Streams in the Desert, actually in this building. Anyway. J. John linked the interview that he did with her a couple of years ago, part of his Facing the Canon series, and I watched it with my parents. I found her story fascinating. I'll briefly explain. Jennifer grew up in a Christian home, becoming a Christian as a child. She married, had six children, then became seriously ill with encephalitis. She almost died, she, but she recovered enough that she could live and um, maintain her life in a wheelchair or with crutches. And she was in a lot of pain, but she, she, uh, she left hospital and went home to her six children, of which her youngest was four. Eight years later, she was miraculously healed when a new Christian prayed for her. And she explained it in the fact that she had, she'd come to the point where she, she felt she wasn't ever going to be healed. She'd been prayed for many, many times. And uh, she'd written several books and um, to not expect to be healed. 
and uh, she went to a conference where she was speaking, and she was in a room with you know, lots of people listening to her, and there was a lady at the front who um, interrupted her and said, I, um, I've only become a Christian very recently, but I don't understand why you've not been healed. And she said that there was this deathly hush that came across the room. And, um, and she sort of, you know, acknowledged this comment and then carried on. And um, afterwards, she felt she needed to go and speak to the lady. And, uh, and she felt that maybe, maybe this was the time. Anyway, she said to the lady, um, would you pray for me to be healed? And the woman said, I've never prayed out loud in public before. And uh, I don't think she was getting her up on stage. I mean, I think it was just to one side. Anyway, the lady agreed to pray, and she prayed for her. And um, Jennifer thinks she didn't even say amen at the end. But immediately, Jennifer knew that she had been healed, and she was able to stand up. And, um, and she said the first thing she did was she walked to the toilets, which sounds completely bizarre, but um, she said that she wanted to check her muscle tone, so she grabbed some toilet roll like, and squeezed the toilet roll and, to see if she could, and she could. And um, a week later, she had a regular appointment with her physiotherapist who said that she had no muscle wastage at all and that for somebody to stand up out of a wheelchair, you'd expect at least six months of physio before you could actually get on and do things. So, um, yeah, an awesome story. Life wasn't plain sailing. Many difficulties happened to her after that, too. But she learned to lean on God and his mighty power, and she used her experiences to help others. She wrote books, she spoke at churches and events, and encouraged others through speaking about her relationship with God. I love reading accounts of Christians and their experiences following our God Almighty. And the closer they know God and spend time reading his word, the more God uses them. So the following verse in Hebrews encourages us to... Oh my gosh, where are my notes? Here they are. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So God the Almighty is awesome and great. Moses described him as the God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17. Just spend time looking at the stars to get a tiny glimpse of God's might and majesty. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. That's Psalm 19, verses 1 to 3, which I've only got the first bit. So day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. God the Almighty will righteously judge those who reject him. We don't like to think about this aspect of God's might, but it is true. Revelation 19 verse 15 describes the recompense of God, the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. 
Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress <clears throat> of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. The Lord desires for all to be saved, but some will not believe the gospel of Christ. He is the maker and the master. Someday every knee will bow before him. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. Romans 14, 11. So as well as being a righteous judge, God wants us to be in personal relationship with him. He invites us to trust him. God Almighty wants us to trust him. Now, I'm going to read a little extract from one of Jennifer's books, which I discovered on my bookshelf, which I think is quite amazing. It was two years after I first became ill that I reached the all-time low. It was one Saturday morning, just before we were due to move from our home in the country. The children were all being diabolical. My pain level was uncomfortably high, and the house seemed full of packing cases that tripped us up or ripped our clothes with their sharp metal corners. Tony, my husband, made some bright but irritating comment that triggered off a major row, and suddenly all I wanted to do was go away by myself and scream very loudly indeed. Everything had got on top of me, maybe yet another cliché, but it describes exactly that feeling of being weighed down and crushed by problems that no one seems able to solve. Struggling out of the house on my elbow crutches, I fell over, face down, in a lake of manure at the bottom of our garden. I struggled in the dung, vainly trying to get myself back onto the grass, but my arms and legs were not strong enough. I felt as if the manure was sucking me down, and in the end, I simply had to give up and sit still until someone came along to pull me out. I was crying with rage, <clears throat> not only at the indignity of being stuck in that ghastly mess, but at the frustration of being trapped in a similar way by my problems. I wanted to vent all my fury on the person who had disintegrated my nice, well-organized life and turned it into an, a mass of stinking muck. But who was really to blame? I had been so angry with Tony that morning that I had thrown the steam iron at him. But it was not his fault that I was ill. Nor were the doctors at fault, because they could not cure me. My friends irritated me with their tactless advice, and the children drove me up the wall with their bad behavior. I was angry with all these people, but suddenly I realized who I was really holding responsible. It was God himself. Lying in the muck, I told God what I thought of him for allowing me to become ill in the first place, and then refusing to hear all those prayers for healing. I was so abusive that I deserved to be struck down by lightning, but instead, I really believe he answered me. These words formed themselves inside my head. 
I know about the mess, but I want to be in the center of all those problems with you, and I would be if only you would let me. As I lay there in all that filth, I felt utterly overwhelmed by his love. It really was the most amazing experience of my life. Gradually, I began to realize that for months I had been blaming God for everything that had been going wrong. By holding all these grudges against him, I had pushed him out of the center of my life and allowed the problems and worries to take his place. I found myself giving God the fragments of my life one by one, the broken body, the broken dreams and hopes, the broken marriage and family security, and most of all, the broken faith in his goodness and care. I asked him to come into the middle of my mess, of the mess my life had become, to take control of it and to mend it for me. I believe he did that. I did not feel any different at the time, but a few weeks later, I was aware that something had definitely happened. It was not that the circumstances of my life suddenly became easier. It was the way I felt about those circumstances that had changed. It was letting go of the past and of my hidden resentment against God that made room for him to come back into the central place and begin to mend me from the inside. And one of the things that she um, explains is that she likes to work in pictures. And she's, she's put here she's, how she had the problems in the center of her life, and she had God around the edge of her, and how she needed to bring God into the center of her life and have, just have the problems around, because we'll always have the problems. So, and God wants to be there. He wants to be in the center of our life. That's how amazing God Almighty is. So finally, I just wanted to say that the power of God the Almighty works in us and through us. Be strong in the Lord, relying on his mighty strength. That's Ephesians 6 verse 10. Going back to Jennifer, she explained um, earlier in the interview that I listened to that when she was four, she prayed um, and asked Jesus to come into her life. And she was led by her mother in this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, come in today. Come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. She said, sorry. She said that God had never left her. She had railed against him on numerous occasions and had become distant from him, but he had always drawn her back to him, and we can be drawn back to him too. Sorry. I feel I've given you a whistle-stop tour of some of the aspects of God Almighty, and now I thought we'd finish by listening to Amy Grant singing the song, El Shaddai which has wonderful lyrics, particularly age to age, you're still the same by the power of your name. Thank you. <laughs>